Morning people, how are you guys going? Hope you're having a good day and you're looking forward to the week that's uh, coming up. Um, I just wanted to say a quick uh, thank you to the awesome team and all the work that they've been doing about putting the services together um, online like this. Um, it was a really quick um, learning curve for them and I think they've done an amazing job. So, um, you know, I just wanted to publicly say thank you to them for everything that they've done. Um, and yeah, just awesome guys, really awesome. So um, I don't know how you've found these last eight weeks um, being at home with your kids all the time and parenting and I've been seeing different things that people have done and part of me is like, oh, I wish the kids were little because that looks like so much more fun and they're like, oh, but then trying to occupy them for that length of time without sort of being able to play at a park and things like that. Maybe that wouldn't be such a good idea and we're at that time where um, our kids are growing Seth's in the middle of his teenage years um, and Madison is literally coming out of her teenage years so it's a new kind of season for us in parenting so I just want to let you know that um, the stuff that you go through when they're younger you do get through it um, and each season has a different challenge for you and um, I really like what Mark Twain said about uh, parenting teenagers and he said that when they're 13 you get them and you put them inside a barrel and you nail the lid shut and you just feed them through the little knot hole and then when they turn 16 uh, you plug up the knot hole so um, parenting can be one of those things where there's a a lot of joy and there's also can be a lot of pain it can be really hard because nine times out of ten you have no clue what you're doing if you have ever been a parent if you're a grandparent if you know a parent you know what I'm talking about and um, you have these seasons with your kids and each season is different and each season has unique challenges and, and unique things to overcome but there's also joy in those seasons. There can be a lot of joy. Um, funny stories that you can um, think back on and share with people. And uh, as you know, if you've been in this church for any length of time, you would know that um, unfortunately for both Madison and Seth, uh, their stories get shared regularly from the pulpit. Like everyone hears about their lives. And so um, they did say a little while ago that they feel that they should get paid every time they get mentioned. But we'll see what happens. So one of the stories that I wanted to share with you, just because I, I you know, it's a funny story. Uh, Madison was three and I was pregnant with Seth at the time and Craig's dad um, had been really quite ill. So we took a couple of days, Craig took a couple of days from work and we decided that we needed to go down to um, Tauranga to see them. So we went down there for a couple of days and we were just visiting with him and um, his sister Dowan had come up from uh, Wanganui, they passed the Wanganui Elam. Some of you may remember she did our, our ladies meeting, our daughter's event last year. So she had come up and it was sort of, we're having a, a morning tea together and I happened to be sitting at the uh, kitchen table and they were all in the lounge and I could see Craig sitting on the couch and you know his mum and dad were sitting in their chairs and uh, Dowan was sitting on the floor and Madison had come and she had climbed on Dowan's lap and she was facing Dowan and they, they had been talking and then she said something and you know as a parent when they say something you're not really paying attention but you know and all of a sudden you, you have that sense of dread and that sense of panic and so Madison had been sitting on Dowan's lap and she says to her Dowan I think you need to go to the fat doctor and I knew and I turned and I'm trying to get Craig's attention I'm going Craig Craig stop her stop her and then she says to Dowan because you're because oh, Dowan says to her do I Madison and she says yeah because your skin is all soft and squishy and not only that you're getting old because you've got these wrinkles 
and by now I'm just about to die. Great, stop that child, just, just shut her up. And then Madison says this, she goes, I think you're turning into a cat. And Dallin says, why do you think I'm turning into a cat? And Madison says, because you got all these whiskers. And right about then, I'm climbing under the kitchen table, just an absolute embarrassment. Craig, of course, is trying to charge across the lounge to clamp his hand over her mouth. Thankfully though, everybody else was just in laughter. But these are the sort of stories that we can tell about our kids. These are the sort of things that become a joyful story that we can share with other people because you know what? Parenting is all about joy and it's about sharing stories and it's about life and it's about journey. So today I've got the privilege of actually starting off our home improvement series. And this week we're going to be focusing on what the parent's priority is. So this is an underlying foundation for this whole series. It's the principal foundation and basically the parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parent so that their dependence rests solely on God. Let me just say that again. The priority of you as a parent is to transfer your child's dependence from you onto a dependence upon God. It doesn't matter if you are the mom, it doesn't matter if you're the dad or the grandparent, whoever you are raising, at whatever stage of life they are at, your job is to transfer the dependence away from you because let's face it, when they're young, they are fully dependent on you. But your job is to transfer it from you gradually so that they are fully dependent on God. And the reason why you want them to be fully dependent upon God is because He is the only one who can be fully dependent upon. He is the only one who can provide everything they need. He is the only one who can bring every healing they'll ever require, give them any of the advice that they ever need in life. So our job, to take their dependence from us and gradually transfer it to God. So I just want to read with you uh, a passage of scripture. And that passage of scripture is in Deuteronomy 6. And I'm going to start um, in verse 4 to 9. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So I just want to give you a little bit of context about where this particular scripture sits. You see, in Deuteronomy 6 comes after Deuteronomy 5 and that usually happens because 6 always comes after 5. I'm just kidding. So in Deuteronomy 5, we have Moses, and Moses has just revealed the Ten Commandments. And these are the big Ten Commandments uh, that God wants to challenge His people to live by. So we've just been given that. And at the start of chapter 6, um, Moses says this, The Eternal your God commanded me to teach you these rules and judgments, so that you would obey them in the land that is yours when you cross the Jordan. And you are to fear him and obey his rules and commands, just as I'm teaching them to you now. Do this your whole lives. You, your children, and your grandchildren, and you'll live in the land a long time. You see, 
as a parent, what most people don't understand is that God has put within you the ability, the power to be able to change generations. You see, what you teach your children now will be something that they will hold on to and that they will teach their children and that they will teach their children and they will teach their children. We've been singing over the last few weeks the blessing and it talks about having a blessing upon your children and your children's children and your children's and on and on. That's because that is how God works. He's a God of the generations. He's a God of um, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So what you are teaching your children will redirect the course of generations. If you are someone who is a new Christian, if you are just starting out in your Christian life and you're, and you're the first one in your family, you are now changing the lives of generations to come after you. It is a powerful thing. So how do we do that? How do we change the lives of the generations to come? How do we treat, teach our children those commands? How do we do it? Deuteronomy 6 actually gives us two really important but very simple keys to do this. And if you live these two principles out in your life, your children will follow. And the reason why it depends on you is because they watch what you're doing and they learn from what you're doing. And the first principle is really simple. You, number one, love your God. See, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Did you know that if you were um, a Jewish person, that you would say that three times a day? You'd say it in the morning, you'd say it at noon, you'd say it in the evening. So three times a day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But verse 5, and this is the key, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So how much are you going to love God with? All your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Not some, not a little bit, not a percentage, not this part here where I can just kind of fit him in, but you are to love him with all your heart. The other day I went and got a flu shot and we generally get flu shots with work um, because of the amount of kids that we work with, it's, it's a pretty good idea. So what happens is when you go and get your flu shot, the nurse comes along and she, you know, she swabs your arm and then she injects a little bit of the dead flu virus, just a little bit. And what happens is, is that you then become immune to that virus. Your body recognizes it, learns to fight it. So what happens is there's an immunity. I would argue that parents, so many parents unknowingly expose their children to just a little bit of God so that they end up by becoming immune to the things of God. It makes us, if you only have a little bit of God, if you only see a little bit of God, if you've only experienced a little bit of God, you end up by being immune to his goodness, to his glory, to his power. And if you find yourself being immune to the things of God, you're not able to see how life-changing God is, how amazing and miraculous God can be, how he can actually propel you into such a life that this world will not be able to um, change. You see, we need to know God in an intimate, life-changing way. But if you know only the little bits of God, you become completely immune to him. It says that we're to love God with all of our heart. And you know what? This world currently offers us so many distractions that it is hard to love God with all of your heart because we get dragged into other things. And when you are a parent, 
it's even worse because you have these wonderful children and you think to yourself, I never had this in my life or growing up I really wanted this. So what do we do? We work really hard in our careers we, to gain the money so that we can provide for our kids. And we decide, I really wanted to do this sport so we put our kids into that sport. I really wanted to have this so I'm going to work extra hard and get the finances in so I can buy my kids this. And we with these great intentions end up by building our children's lives around activities and sports. We put them into soccer, put them into ballet, we put them into um, computer club, we put whatever it is and we end up with children whose lives revolve not around God but around something else. We need to be careful because what that means is that we've become child-centered parents instead of God-centered parents. You see, your life ends up by being revolved around your children rather than your life being revolved around God. Do they, what do they see? Do they see you being involved in church? Do they see you spending time with God? Do they see that you reading your Bible? Do they see you praying? Or do they see you working really hard to provide materialistic things? And there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with having materialistic things in your life. I like materialistic things. I like to um, have money and to be able to do nice things. I like to be able to provide these great things for my kids. But at the end of the day, that's not going to save them. So your involvement in church, and I'm not, you need to be involved in church. That's what they need to see because that's what, I'm, what is important. And I'm not talking about coming in late to the service and then leaving as soon as it's done. That is a spectator sport. That is not being involved in church. Being involved in church, being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of the, uh, a person who operates under a biblical function in your church, serving in your church, you're immersed in deep growing relationships. That is what they need to see. And there's a, do you know how important this is? This is hugely important. There was a study done a couple of years ago about kids who become active Christ followers as adults. So we're talking about people, um, how many people became Christ followers as, as adults. Did you know that if mom and dad went to church, if mom and dad were both at church, that 72%, 72% of kids as adults will be active church members. That's, that's an amazing statistic. But if only mom went to church and not dad, 15% of kids will go to church as adults. If only dad went to church, do you know it jumps up to 55%? Dad, you should never think about that you are unimportant in this role. You are more important. It's more important for dad to be involved in church because you get 55% of kids doing it. More important for dad to be involved. It's a really sad indictment on um, churches all around the world that there are more women involved than there are men. Now, if neither mum nor dad went to church, only 6% of kids will as adults. So this is vitally important that your kids see you as a growing, active participant in church. Serve somewhere. Serve anywhere. Put your hand up. Some of it's not hard. You don't need to have skills. And we're always willing to help train people. Your kids need to see you actively involved in church. Because the question comes down to, do you love God with all of your heart or with some of your heart? And only you can answer that. Because some, just a little bit of God, is not what your kids need. What they need is the whole counsel of God. If I came into your home, if I just observed your life for an hour or more, what would it tell me? 
If I came in and saw the things that, the magazines that you read, would I know how much you serve God? Would I know how much of your heart has been given to God? If I came in and listened to your conversations, how much of what you're saying would I be able to go, yeah, they fully love God, they love God a little bit. What about if I looked at your computer, the things in your search, your, your, your history, your log, how much do you love Jesus? How much of your heart is given to God? What if I checked out your budget? How much of your spending would I be able to say, yes, I can see that they love God? These are pretty harsh questions, but at the end of the day, this is not about you. It's actually about your kids. What are they seeing? Do you love God with all of your heart or just some of your heart? The second point, which is really, really quite a small thing, but very significant, is that you need to lead your family. And in verses 6, I want you to, uh, 7 and 8 and 9, I want you to see the spiritual leadership that's represented in these verses. Verse 6, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And verse 7, what are we going to do? What are we going to We're going to impress on our children. Because verse 7 says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you sit at home and when you're taking them to school and when you're going to rugby practice and when you're leaving ballet, whatever you're doing, when you lie down and when you rise up. Verse 8, you will bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We lead our families spiritually. Spiritual talk is not something we do on the way to church or on the way to connect group or when we're dropping them off to uh, revive youth. Spiritual talk is what we do all the time. It's 24-7 because it's our life and that's how we live our life. Don't you talk about the most important things to you? I talk about the most important things all the time. And the most important thing in our home is our relationship with God. That's 24-7 because it's all of our heart and we're leading our family. And we don't stop leading our families. We are always leading our family. There's a very interesting quote uh, recorded by um, Edward, the Duke of Windsor, uh, about four or five years ago. And he said this, The thing that impresses me most about America is the way that parents obey their children. And sure, he was talking about America, but let's be honest, that could be us. The thing that impresses me the most is the way that parents obey their children. Are you leading your children or are they leading you? Are they leading you into the things that they want? Because you know what, at the end of the day, uh, it's not about them being happy, it's about them being holy. So how do you lead? You know what, I can't tell you exactly how to lead. I can't tell you exactly what to do. And the reason for that is because I can only tell you what worked for us. And there are some things that you can take and help apply. But you have to understand that our situation is different to your situation. Your situation is different to somebody else's situation. For starters, we only have two children. Just two. Because we're not crazy. We have two children. The other thing is that we are full-time in, in ministry. And that is all-consuming. And that is not your life. Most of you at our church are not full-time in ministry. So the demands on us are different to the demands on you. Your family has its own rhythm because of the different personalities and the different things, that you, people that you have in there. So you have to find what works for you in your family. I can share a little bit. The first thing that I want to share with you is that, you need, that we do and what you need to do is you need to lead intentionally. 
you need to be intentional about what you're doing with your children and how you're teaching them. We lead intentionally. We deliberately are countercultural in our, in our leadership, in our discussions with our children. Just because the world says that this is right or the world says that this is the way to go, that is not what we do. Everything we do is done through the lens of the Bible. What is God saying about this particular thing? What is God saying about what the world says? The world may be saying one thing, we will filter that through what God says and then that's what we teach and talk to our kids about. You see, family, when family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. But if your family identity is weak, then peer pressure is strong. And I want to ensure that my children will not bow to peer pressure. I want to ensure that our family identity is strong. One of the things that we do is we have these family dates. So we go out together as a family. Now when they were young, they were normally fairly cheap. The older they get, the more expensive they're becoming. But we go out as a family. These are not something they can bail on. These are not something they, they can just pick and choose from. They can make suggestions about what we're gonna do. We also have um, father-daughter dates and we also have mother-son dates. We also have uh, daughter and mother days and father and son days. And the reason for that is that I want my daughter to know how a guy should be treating her. That's why her dad will take her out places. I want my son to know how he should be treating someone, how he should be treating a woman in his life. Because you know, at the end of the day, what I teach them, they are then gonna teach to their own children. Proverbs 22 verse six, it's quite a famous um, verse and it says, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word um, for train is the word charnak and it actually means palate, like on the roof of your mouth. So you have this palate, right? And what the Hebrew midwives used to do is when a baby was born, they would dip their finger into a little bit of this paste and then they would tap it on the top of the chana, tap it on the palate of the baby and it would create a, um, a craving within the baby and the baby would feed. And so you'd have this baby being able to feed quite quickly and, and move on. It would initiate a hunger. And that's what we need to do as parents. We chana our children. We initiate a craving for the things that are true and right and holy and pure, for the things of God. When they see the fruit of godly living in your life, they will then make the decision to continue to look for that in their own life. They will continue to hunger for that in their own life. You see, because what happens then is that we, that is the process where we begin to transfer their dependence from us onto a dependence from God. You see, they no longer depend on us and they fully depend on God. We have to love God. We have to lead our family. But how do you do that? God's word tells us we need to train our children. And I wanted to share with you, we don't do Bible devotions in our home. Like we've never sat down with our kids and done Bible studies. But what we have done is we have these conversations and, and Craig and I have been doing it ever since the kids were little, where one of us at the dinner table or whatever will start talking about a scripture we read or a story in the Bible and how it related to something else or things like that. And so as the kids were little, they would just sit and listen. 
But as they've gotten older, now we have full conversations where, where they will talk about their experiences in that particular verse, what they think maybe God's saying, how it applies to them. So while we don't have set devotions, because we talk about God all the time, because we talk about spiritual things in our home all the time, it is something that they've been able to grow up learning and they see that. We have times where we say to them, hey, this is an issue in our family. We need to pray about this. And we get the kids together and we will pray. We don't do it that often, probably only a couple of times a year, but we will get together and pray. The other thing that we do with our family is that Sundays are never optional. It's, it's just not an option. I don't think our kids have ever thought to say to me, I don't want to go to church because it's just not, I'm not even going to discuss that. I don't care if you're not dressed already, you can just go in your pajamas. I really don't care. Church is never an option for us. We are at church. Madison, first time she went to church, she was seven days old. Seth, the first time he went to church, he was four days old. They have never missed a Sunday. Unless, of course, they're extremely ill and I have to stay home with them. We are at church. Feel free to have a conversation with them about how that goes. So Proverbs teaches us seven specific ways that we can train our children. And just because of a lack of time, I'm just going to kind of race through these and feel free. You know what? You need to look into these deeper for yourselves. So our training from Proverbs, the first one is we train them to manage God's money. Proverbs 3 verses 9 to 10. Train them to manage God's money. All the money is God's. Not yours. All of it's God. You give him 10%. He lets you keep the other 90. It's an awesome deal. We train them to carefully select their friends. Proverbs 13, 20. We train them to carefully select their friends. We have conversations. We don't just say, never hang out with that kid. But what we will say is, you know that kid? When you hang out with him, you're so, you come home and you're so negative and you're so down and you say these things that aren't very nice. Have those conversations. Talk about those things with your kids. We train them to watch their words. Not just around swearing and cursing, but watch their words. Are you giving life when you speak? Or are you tearing people down? We went through, and that's in uh, Proverbs, sorry, uh, 4.24. We went through a period of time where they were saying some pretty awful things to one another. So for every negative, they had to say three positive things, and it wasn't allowed to be about their shoes. Number five, uh, four, sorry, train them to be responsible. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. Absolutely, train your child to be responsible. Responsible for their actions, responsible for their feelings, responsible for the words that they say. Number five, train them to guard their minds. Proverbs 23 verse 7. The best way to train your child to guard their mind is to make sure that it's been filled with the Word of God, to make sure it's been filled with the worship. With worship. We've always had worship playing in our home and in our car, and I'm always telling the kids, read your Bible, read your Bible. Don't force them to. I don't see the point in forcing them to do something, but we've always had it available for them whenever they want it. Number six, train them to be generous. Proverbs 11.25. Our God is a generous God. We are to imitate Him. So we are generous with our finances. We are generous with our time. We are generous with our words. We are generous with the things that belong to us. Number seven, train them to fear God. Proverbs 1 verse 7. Train them to fear God. That is the most important thing that you can do. Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? We want you to know that here at Revive, we are very, very serious about partnering with you, about leading your children to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We take this so seriously that that's why we have Kids Zone. It's not about babysitting your kids so you can hear the service. It's actually about 
beginning that relationship with for them, helping them start to see the things of God. It's why we have Revive Kids. It's why there is worship and there is teaching in Revive Kids. It's why we have Switch. Switch is there to help foster a personal, intimate relationship to begin that journey for, for your child. And it's also why we have Revive Youth, because let's face it, while they're facing a world and peer pressure that wants to drag them away, Revive Youth is where they can go to actually get more grounded in the Word. And as much as we want to partner with you, and as much as we believe fully in being able to help you facilitate this, it's actually not our job. It is not our responsibility or our job to lead your child into a relationship with Jesus. That's your job. That is your priority. Your role as a parent, your number one task, is to train up your child so that they will follow Jesus. You know, it won't happen by accident. If you just casually turn up to church every now and again, then your child's going to see that it's not important, that a relationship with God is not vital. If you just casually um, have uh, different things happening, spiritual things happening, just here a little bit, there a little bit, your child's going to become immune to those things and not bother with any of it. But what, if you, what do you do though? If you fully commit yourself, if you fully love the Lord and you lead your family spiritually, what is going to happen is your child is going to see that there's a life-giving God who provides, who heals, who restores, who there is power in prayer, that there is power in the infilling of his Holy Spirit will come along. So he will guide and counsel and correct us and teach us. And if they see that, your child will have a life-giving relationship with God. We love God first with all of our heart. Not some, but all. And then we intentionally lead our families. So why don't we pray together? Father, I just want to pray for every single parent and for those who are yet to be parents, Father. Lord, that they would love you first, put you first. Relationship with you comes first, God. Lord, that you would show them, guide them, lead them, Father, so that they can lead their families to know you, so that they can lead their families fully in the way that you want. Holy Spirit, that you will just give them strategies for their families holy spirit that you would just give them the right way to say things god that you would just uh, empower them god lord that you would teach us i thank you god for these wonderful people who are raising wonderful children in the things of god i just want to also pray just in case you've been listening to this message and you're like actually i only have a little bit of god um, and I need, obviously need to get a lot more of God. Or maybe you have been away from God for, for a season of your life and you're like, actually, I need to get back to that. So there is actually a, a button on your screen and you can just tap that, which says that, you know, you want to make that commitment again. So I just want to pray for you also. Father, I thank you for those, God, who are feeling your presence and feeling that sense of calling back into relationship with you. God, that you would help people to realign their timetables, to realign their priorities so that you are the priority. I thank you, God, for those who are accepting you um, as their Lord and Savior, God, that they acknowledge, Father, that they have um, fallen away from you, that they've been out of relationship, God, and that they are fully ready to embrace your relationship with you again. I thank you, Lord, that you will lead us and guide us into all things. In Jesus' name, amen. 
so i hope that was um of help to you you need to uh, make sure you come back next week uh, for uh, home improvement part two um, that's going to be really good um, and just have a great week enjoy your kids being back at school um, enjoy that little bit of normality um, and yeah we'll see you later